Traveling the Vortex. We're traveling the vortex and arriving at episode 494. Next stop, the life and times of Sarah Jane Smith, roving reporter. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. And I'm Glenn. How are you guys? How are you guys? Pretty good. Long weekend for me. Tell us about your long weekend. I now have a graduated, uh, well, she's, I was going to say she's out of school. Technically, she's not, but my daughter, my oldest, well, my oldest daughter, my only daughter, my oldest kid, uh, graduated from high school this weekend. Yay! Congratulations to her. She's officially a high school graduate, even though she technically doesn't get her diploma until the end of day tomorrow. Because of COVID and its wonkiness, they graduated actually two days before they got out of school officially for seniors, and so the seniors have to go until tomorrow to fulfill <laughs> to wow. fulfill their uh, uh, oh whatever school legislative obligation of so many days of school, Uh, which is crazy because there were a lot of kids that weren't in class today or classes today because they were already out of town or they were already, they'd already left. They, I mean, they just after graduation, they were going places. So, so she's had a lot of people. She's got one, she has a one performance she had to do, I think, was so that nobody, nobody's really had any sort of finals or any for, anything for them this week. So that's kind of kind of nice. Nobody's having to do anything. But they do they do have to, with exception of excusals, they do have to show up to get their diplomas. So they're holding their diplomas <laughs> hostage to make sure at least some kids show up next two days. Well, that was fun. Crazy weekend. We had a lot of people in. Of course, we you know, they they restricted uh, the amount of people that could come. So of course we could invite everybody to the ceremony. So we just, we, it was us and, and, you know, just our extent, close extended family. And then we had uh, family in from town afterwards that came after for a, uh, um, reception afterwards. So, and that was exhausting. So we spent all day <laughs> Sunday doing nothing and recovering. <laughs> nice. Did you guys do anything over the weekend? She was watching anything. I finally caught up on the Bad Batch. Hey, I'm one episode behind now because that dropped right in the um, middle of me uh, doing stuff, and I for, I completely forgot about it until tonight. I was like, oh, I never watched Friday's episode, so yeah, I did not see episode four. Sean, how how Friday's far are you? Episode alone? was good. I am also current. Ooh, look at you guys! I I was ahead of everybody last or last time we recorded. And now everybody's ahead of me, so. Well, I could talk up until uh, episode three. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying the series. I think it's, yeah. it's really good. And I think I said it last time that we talked about it a little bit, that it was my second favorite part of that final season of Clone Wars. I was kind of, I was a little meh on them doing a series, springboarding a series about them, because I thought I didn't think that, they, it could carry it. I just didn't think they were that interesting. They were good in that season, but I didn't think they were that interesting. Um, they certainly weren't the worst part of the, <laughs> that season. I think the middle part of that season was the worst, but at least they didn't spin off those yeah. those girls <laughs> uh, that they focused on in that. But um, I mean, a sucker hey, would have been right. A couple but... of grease monkey mechanics, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, 
flirting with the seedy underworld of Coruscant? Yeah. Or what's not to watch? I guess you could do something like that. At least that. they're on Coruscant as opposed to Resistance, who's off on some water planet. Right. There you go. But I wasn't sure that I was going to like Bad Batch. Just I didn't think it could carry me as far as being. But it's, of course, a lot of people are calling it Clone Wars Season, well, whatever, seven or eight. <laughs> but uh, well, let's be honest. It is Clone yeah, Wars Season 8. <laughs> for but, the most part, yeah. I suppose. That's uh, not necessarily a bad thing. No, no, no. Um, I, you know, it picks right up where it left off. So, Literally. Well, yeah. actually, it kind of overlaps a little bit. <laughs> it does overlap. Yeah, you're absolutely right. With some very nice cameos in the first episode. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right, right off the front of the of the episode. Yeah, I, uh, I I think that um, I think it's really good. It's very enjoyable. I can see where maybe it's not for everybody because its ties to Clone Wars are so strong. Um, and you know, I, I keep in mind I'm the oddball. I actually liked Rebels better than Clone Wars, but. Um, I think some of the world building that they're doing with, you know, the first episode or two where it's like, oh, the Republic credits are already gone. Oh, now you need this travel ID. Oh, yeah. now you've got the... I, I, I enjoy that. I think that's very cool to kind of see how they're going to fit into this new world order. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like the handful of episodes that are out are maybe, I don't want to say dangling a carrot, but... It just feels like more of the same so far. I'll like tell it, you. It hasn't really re- reached out and grabbed me yet. Well, episode four, I think, is where it's really starting to kind of. I will agree with that. That was the first different. one that I was kind of like, oh. Well, when you end two episodes, essentially the same way of reassuring Omega that she's a part of the team, it's it starts to get a little redundant, you know. Yeah. And when, when they when when they do that, it's kind of like, okay, I see what you're doing. Stop. Right. Stop they're driving a point and just yeah. get to well, it. Well, and a, a friend of mine, Adduck Phil, actually gave me a, a, a theory. I don't know if it's a widely accepted fan theory or if it's just his thought on who Omega is. And now I have this horrible sinking feeling that he might be right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you'll have to tell me off, off show because now I'm curious. Um, I, I think I would take umbrage with what you said about being too connected to the clone wars i think they've done an excellent job of not connecting it so much to the clone wars because you could actually start watching bad batch as long as you know the events that led up to it in uh revenge of the sith i think it handily picks up right after clone wars as a continuation but it also picks up right after Revenge of the Sith for people that didn't necessarily watch Clone Wars. And I think that the, the, the Bad Batch itself, not having any sort of background on that without watching that season, that would be one of the only connections I think someone might struggle with. But right now they're establishing the group and who they are. So I think, number one, that works. And number two, I think the only other connection to the Clone Wars that, that was heavy not even heavy-handed, but just heavy, was that third episode where they met up with the guy that is, you know, one of the clones from that that went rogue, and they happen to know about him. But that is satisfactorily explained within the confines of that episode as well. So I don't think you need that backstory episode. So I think I would say that I think they're doing a really good job of not now they could fall into the trap of 
connecting back a lot of Clone Wars stuff. But I think so far they've done a good job moving the story forward from Revenge of the Sith. Well, and considering they put the what they went back to was like a one-off season two story for the one guy, I, I had to go look him up to make sure. Oh, was he actually in the show, or is he someone new? Yeah, yeah. I it's, think what they're more do- the Star most Wars. interesting thing they're doing is what they're doing with Crosshair and exploring the you know the dilemma of the clones and these ones that are kind of outliers and testing loyalty and all that stuff. That's where. To me, that's where the show's the most fascinating. Agreed, because yeah. it's uh, going along with what Sean was saying about how they, you know, established the imperial credits and you know got away with the republic uh, money. The, as you said, the the we're we're finding how things transpired and how transformed from the republic to the empire in this way, and a lot of things that were left, you know, hanging as you know, why did we do away with the clones and go with stormtroopers and that kind of thing? And those things are being addressed, mm-hmm. and I think that works really well too. And that's all the stuff that I that I like and that I'm excited about and hope that we get more of. I I don't necessarily mean that the callbacks are a bit much because any Star Wars property, I mean, you'd be dumb not to do callbacks. Right, right. <laughs> you you really, I mean, that's kind of what the fans tune in for is who's going to show up this week. Um. And so, you know, when, when you, when you couch it in that kind of experience, I, I think those have to be there. I think the more it's just tonally so far, it has felt much, and I, and it's not just because they're clones, but it has just felt much more like more Clone Wars storytelling than say Rebels did, which yeah, well, I felt kind of branched out because of sure, the era that it was sure. in. So I can see that. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I can see that. I think in that way, connecting to Clone Wars, I would agree. Well, it almost seems like they're starting to try to bridge that gap a little bit, and especially in the animation style, because there's a lot more softer lines. Yeah. Like the clones, yes, they're all hard angles, but look at Omega o- Omega, and the character who shows up in episode four. They're much more like almost leaning towards the animation style of uh, Rebels. I wonder how much of that, too, was the... After the Jenny Tartakovsky micro series came out, that they maybe felt like they had to, you know, that they were kind of married to that animation. I don't want to say style, but that look, and that we were just going to computer animate it, even though it's a separate canon. <laughs> but the, it, it's, I mean, you look at Yoda in particular, especially in the first season of Clone Wars. Yeah. And he he seems very very closely modeled after what they did in the in the in the two micro series, so I wonder if Rebels maybe is where they intended to go all along. And of course, the animation got better as they went, and they were able to do more with it. No, I uh, I, I don't think that's the case. I think Rebels felt like it needed to feel like Clone Wars in using the animation, but also separate itself by making it softer and not having such hard lines. I think that I think that was a conscious effort not a we've always wanted to do this but more of a how do we make this enough different from clone wars that it doesn't look like a clone wars clone could be did you guys watch anything else this weekend i listened to the uh, ninth doctor uh the new ninth doctor box set which uh is three stories and i won't give too much away but i thoroughly enjoyed christopher eccleston returning to the role it's almost like he's never been away um, with the exception of maybe a little bit of a tone in his voice that is slightly different, 
he hits all of the right notes with as the doctor as the ninth doctor and it just was it doesn't feel like he stepped away it's just i was very pleased um because i think subconsciously i went into it knowing that he had you know he'd had a rough time uh with you know being in doctor who he's always been a little bit um apprehensive about coming back for so long but to come back and give it 100 percent was very satisfying nice. good i'm looking forward to getting into those sean did you watch anything else uh we watched i don't know think i talked about it uh the mitchells versus the machines which is an animated film on netflix uh from uh oh what's their names lord miller mm. the guys that did lego movie and uh, uh spider verse uh-huh. and uh i i'm, I'm insanely insanely jealous because it, it's this charming, funny, wacky, very kind of offbeat, dysfunctional family uh, that is taking their their daughter um, to. She's enrolled and been accepted in this film school, so it's very meta on top of everything else that she does little animations on YouTube and whatnot. And so they go on this road trip to take her to film school, and a robot apocalypse happens, <laughs> and they wind up being humanity's only hope. Now keep in mind that they couldn't get from you know they couldn't get from the kitchen to the car to the driveway without several arguments breaking out, uh, you know, to start this road trip. So yeah, we're we're, we're all doomed. Um, <laughs> but it it was a lot of fun. It's very uh, very irreverent and yet still manages to kind of hit all of those. Oh, here's going to be the big emotional family speech moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's comfort food in a lot of ways. But I'm insanely jealous because I read a review that described it as a goofy movie meets Age of Ultron. And man, I wish I could take credit for that line because it's <laughs> it's perfect. It's exactly the tone of what this movie is. And it's oh. like, oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. Um, so hats off to that guy. Yeah, but yeah. yeah no, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you've got Netflix, check it out. Huh. I'll have to look that one up. Keith, you watching anything? No. Um... I finished reading A Test of Courage, which is the last of the new High Republic books. Oh, yeah. So I've read, all, read all the new ones, and yeah. this one was really good. This was the young adult one. So it, it ranges age range of 8 to 12, and I think this was probably one of the best so far. Really? I'll be done. It, it has some thematically similar stuff to the teen book into the dark but it handles them i think more realistically of how uh, characters and people would handle the situation so it was really good into the dark was good too and the new villain that they're setting up for the high republic i'm thoroughly enjoying i'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with them i watched the uh, first episode of marvel's modok (laughs) how's that it's great it's so good it is it's like long form robot chicken. It's really what oh, it is. Sweet. Yeah, it is. It is so good. And 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 uh, Pat Oswald as Modok is is so good. I think the first F, F episode starting off, you're not quite sure what it's going to be until it really just it goes full force into it. It just it leans completely into it, and that's what makes it work as just a comedy spoof. It is so funny. 
I, I look We're going to actually start that tomorrow for our shows. I'm so, so glad that uh, Hulu has, they've actually dropped all of them, all, the entire season. Oh, really? Yeah, the entire season's on oh, there. Oh, wow. So you don't have to wait week to week, So I, which I'm, I'm grateful for because I will probably mainline this series. It's so much fun. It's just Disney that makes us wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is Disney. It is yeah, Disney. Yeah, it's it's Marvel. It's Hulu. Hulu is you know what a like seventy five percent owned by Disney now. So it's it's all Disney. It just they they decided to drop it all. I think Disney probably powers that be were a little hesitant of what how this was going to work, but I think they just went with it and and it does it does work. And like I say, it's it's very long form. Robot Chicken Effect. I think uh, Seth Green is a uh, uh, producer on it, executive producer maybe on it. So hmm. he's had some hand, and it's, and it's entirely stop motion. It is uh, none of it is CGI. It is entirely stop motion. So very very good stuff. Um, anything else? I wanted to do my uh, shout out, my podcast shout out. I'm actually going to step away. This is not a uh, Doctor Who podcast or even a really science fiction podcast. Uh, this is a podcast called Moving Right Along. It is a weekly. It is a weekly podcast from uh, the Muppet website called ToughPigs.com, and I think their tagline is for Muppet fans that grew up. Um, but uh, Muppet Geeks Anthony Strand and Ryan Rowe this is the gimmick they watch Muppet movies and then they review them two minutes at a time (laughs) and talk about them so they have done so far the Muppet movie The Great Muppet Caper and right now they're working their way through Muppets Take Manhattan now I did start on Muppets Take Manhattan and I went back to their first episode of that which I think is late early 300s um because i wanted to you know i didn't want to come in in the middle of of a a movie so i'm working my way trying to catch up to present so i haven't heard the most recent episodes but i'm trying to catch up to those but it's it's a lot of fun because they literally take an exam in two minutes of of a movie at a time and talk about this and they've had people on there as far as that i've been listening to they've had mark michael firth who's a former executive vice president and creative director at uh, the jim henson company they've had pep- puppeteer stephanie uh diabruzzo who plays lulu and prairie dawn on sesame street they've had puppeteer hmm. uh, Le- uh leslie cara uh, uh carrera rudolph i'm trying to do these off the top of my head and she is the puppeteer for abby cadabra on um and the voice of abracadabra on uh, sesame street so they've got some you know heavy and they'll come on and they'll talk about the two minutes they give them the two minutes they come on and talk about they've uh, some of their other guests have been you know executive writers and 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 uh contributors to tough pigs they've had family members on there they sometimes they just go it alone they've had you know i think uh ryan rose wife was on there one week and i think she's been on there off and on so it's really cool and i got to thinking can you imagine if we'd have done Doctor Who and done episodes two minutes at a time, how long this podcast could last? <laughs> oh, we could go it's, on for ages. <laughs> ten, ten, ten years, two minutes at a time, we, we'd still be in the second Doctor. Era. Yep, that's probably Like we'd right. have just started it. That's probably yeah. right. <laughs> but if you're a Muppet fan... It would, it'd take us a year and a half to get through uh, the, the, the war games. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Ten episodes. <laughs> But if you're a Muppet fan, be sure and check them out. They do have two other podcasts that I have not listened to yet, but uh, one of them is uh, they're reviewing uh, the Muppets 
uh, the sitcom from a few years back uh, that was on ABC. And then they have another oh, okay. one called uh, Our Special Guest Tonight, and they usually have somebody of this isn't these two guys these are other people that do the podcast but it's all connected to tough pigs but they have interview segments on the that particular podcast so i'll probably go back and take a listen to some of those when i get caught up on this one so anyway if you guys are listening good job oh and i know for a fact i know for a fact that anthony strand and i think ryan is too but i know for a fact that anthony is a doctor who fan because he will drop mentions of episodes and stories and i'm not talking new stories i'm talking classic stuff today in fact the one i listened to tonight he dropped a reference to paradise towers so i know i know that that they are doctor who fans as well (laughs) and paradise towers i mean come on right 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 all right well moving right along um Have you guys heard about the uh, whole John Barrowman thing happening now in the news? Kind of, kind of a sad thing. It yeah. is sad. I For, mean, it's not maybe not as sad as the Noel Clark thing. Well, but yeah. In the same vein, of, I don't. I don't. What are you doing? I don't really have a, and 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 I don't want to say that what John Barrowman is accused of or being punished for is not bad because I, I I believe what he did was inappropriate. The things that he did was inappropriate. Uh, it, whether it was taken that way by cast members or not, it was inappropriate. He shouldn't have done what he did. Um, however, what Noel Clark is accused of doing, if in fact it is true and he's innocent until proven guilty, I think that I don't, if that is in fact true, I don't have any sadness for Noel Clark. I have sadness for John Barrowman because I think of Fair. I th- I think of John Barrowman has admitted in the past to inappropriate dealings on the set, things that he did in in humor and joke that he felt he was doing as a laugh. He has acknowledged those in the past in past years and he's apologized in past years and admitted that it was wrong and that he should not have done it. He was also called out by executives about it, and that's when he said, yes, you're right, I should not have ever done that. I apologize. He's been through that. Unfortunately, because and, of the... And stopped his behavior, too. Right, he has stopped that behavior. Unfortunately, the Noel Clark stuff brought this to light again for him, unfortunately for him, that this is, he's having to re be re-examined in the public eye because the Noel Clark thing elevated it to a level... I think most fans or fans in general knew the things that that Barrowman is accused of. And I think we all kind of, well, he, he made apologies, admitted it was wrong, and we've moved on. But I think now that The Guardian dug in and, and found this information and has elevated it to more of the public eye, I think that he's unfairly being tried again in a way. Again, I don't want to make it, sound like i condone what he did it it wasn't it's entirely inappropriate what he did but i feel that he's being unfairly it's almost like double jeopardy for him because now he's being punished for something that he's already it's it's a lot like the james gunn situation where Mm -hmm. that was dredged up from his past and he had already addressed it and apologized for that for the things that he had said on twitter and still got fired by by 
Disney and a lot of people came to his, you know, aid and or came to his defense and said, Hey, listen, he's already, he's already apologized for this kind of stuff. And then, then, you know, that worked out all right. And I'm hoping that, you know, John Barrowman could, could weather this as well. Um, I think it's, it's personal for me as a, as a doctor who fan, because not only am I sad that he has to go through this, um, again, and and I'm not saying that it's the punishment. Maybe the punishment doesn't quite meet the crime, but I think it also saddens me that you know that it it takes away the you know he's already been removed from the time fracture immersive event that's releasing in the UK. Um, just you know, in mere days, I think from now. And he, you know, it's it's affecting uh, product uh, as far as uh, there's a Torchwood uh, audio that's now not being released because of it. And, you know, I, it makes it sound like, oh, well, I, I only care because it's affecting me because I don't get to enjoy this stuff. But I think it is one of those things that it's probably we've taken things a little too far with it. Anyway, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm dominating the conversation. I just want to hear what you guys think about it. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, as as with James Gunn, you know, it's something that he was called out for. He apologized and, from all accounts, stopped doing it. Okay. Um, now, I do understand that it was kind of a, it was a thing. Everybody knew it was going on. I'm not saying that excuses it by any stretch of the imagination. But it, even the showrunners were apparently very much in the, oh, uh, yeah, that's a Barrowman thing. Right. You know, and just kind of rolled it off. Now, you know, 15, 20 years ago, these were different times. Not necessarily simpler, but just different. <laughs> Not excusing it, but the fact that he, for all, from what I understand, did stop it, then apologized for it, said he know he did wrong. Okay, I think we can, we, we can move on, as long as there hasn't been a, a repeat of that behavior, which... In the Noel Clark instance, eh, that sounds like that's been kind of an ongoing thing. Again, innocent until proven guilty. I also don't want to think, and and I struggle with this one a little bit because just from a a, a, a personality standpoint, I mean, I've met John Bowerman. Now he's not like, you know, I can't list him among friend of the show, but uh, you know, I have met him. I have had a conversation with him, um, and not only from his public persona, but the, the little bit that, that I got to interact with him, he seems like, a, a, you know, kind of what you see is what you get. He's a likable guy. I can't say that about Noel Clark. So I think in a lot of ways, and, and, and maybe some public backlash to this has that same tint to it, that because people like Captain Jack the character, maybe they're a little more forgiving of some actions than maybe they should be. I don't know. Right. But... um you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we're going to miss out as fans on his appearance in some of this, uh, you know, material. And, you know, th this does have pretty high reaches. I know a lot of people are upset at Big Finish, and I think that's not fair, because obviously Big Finish is completely beholden on the BBC when it comes to the licensing. And if the BBC is making this move, then I think, you know, well, Big Finish is, of course, going to follow along with that and say, okay, da 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 at least until things calm down and an investigation is launched uh, and, and you know, figures out whatever's going to happen. But I think it's unfortunate that we are at least potentially, I felt like 
Captain Jack's appearances in the last season felt like they were maybe leading up to him coming back on the show again. Yeah, yeah. And now that potentially could be on the bubble because I don't know that the BBC is going to be real big on bringing him back on TV at the moment. Right. No, I don't. I don't see oh, that yeah. happening, and, and justifiably so. Yeah, but. and I, and I have to wonder if they were bringing him back, if they are having to scramble now, as they've already shot a lot of the series that's coming up. I I did want to address the the one thing that you did bring to uh, you said that I didn't think of. I don't think that the the, the think the different another difference between Clark and Barrowman is the fact that. Barrowman's only being tried in the public, in public opinion. There's no investigation that's going to be opened. There's no, there's no, they're not going to go back and dig this up because everything is out there. I don't think there's anything that you have to go put on the record with Clark. He's denying all allegations. He's saying it's a, it's a, he said, she said thing. So there, there is going to be an investigation going on there. And then that'll be probably criminal once they, or, at least civil if they went once it goes to court and and likely criminals so i think that that's certainly a big difference i think the 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 big thing is that barrowman is merely being tried in the court of public opinion and that's all that's all that will happen very true i think there's also something to be said for intentions what these people did and their intentions behind it it from all accounts not just John's his intentions were not malice or negative they were intended to try to bring levity and make people laugh and keep a relaxed atmosphere whereas obviously what everyone's claiming Noel was doing does not have that sort of intention right right Berman is more inappropriate misguided yes yeah it's it's unfortunate and, and and as we've already pointed out i mean fans do suffer for not getting some of the material that that maybe we were looking forward to but who knows this may all blow over eventually and and Barrowman will be welcomed back into the fold or it may just get completely you know it, it may it may end his career and i hope that isn't the case for him i i i hope that he has learned a lesson just from what has transpired up until this point so i definitely hope there that is not the case because i think there is something to be said for forgiveness yeah absolutely yeah well on a brighter note we should talk about a certain book but do we first want to give away the copy that we have or have we already done that yes we gave it away when you weren't looking oh okay (laughs) who 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 won I did. Oh, <laughs> miracle of miracles! I wow. pulled my own I, name out of the hat. This sounds and... fixed. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't given it away yet. <laughs> for a moment, for a brief moment, I panicked. Going, did I miss a meeting? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have thrown all of the names of the uh, people that can win that have responded and uh, hashtagged. What was it, Sarah Jane? What was that, Sarah Jane? SJS book giveaway. That's the one, and they told us what uh, their uh, favorite memories of Sarah Jane was. We've put all the names into a little uh, program here that's uh, going to spin a wheel of fortune that will uh, spin and find out who our winner is. So let's give it a spin. Let's we have some spinning wheel music, please. Give it a spin. There it goes. Let's give it a spin. 
The winner is Mark Cochran from Facebook. Yay! So congratulations, Mark. Congratulations, Mark. And we will get in touch with you and find out how we can uh, get that book out to, to you. Sean's in charge of that, so we'll... <laughs> <laughs> the lovely book, Mark. I am currently licking the cover. You may not want it now. Let me know if you want me oh. to just keep it here. Oh, <laughs> he's not really. I'm not really. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about this book. Um, as you mentioned, uh, this is a, uh, uh, I think we, we've talked about this is actually a book that was written uh, with the proceeds going to cancer research, uh, which is what Elizabeth uh Sladen actually died from was cancer and which was a, a bit of a shock to all of us because she had hidden it for so many years and it was certainly a shock for especially those of us that grew up watching her as Sarah Jane Smith so I think what is really cool about this book is that it's not just a collection of short stories it's not just a collection of essays it's not just a collection of comics or biographies it's all of the above um, it's, it's really structured in such a way that you get, you know, three or four fiction stories, short stories, a couple of essays, they break away for a comic and then you go back into some fiction. And I think it's, it's really well put together. And I think what impressed me the most is I'm not familiar with a lot of these writers. Now there, uh, Rick Cross, I know, uh, he's written for the, uh, Lethbridge Stewart, uh, series, uh, Paul Majors, I think, I think that's how you say his name or Maggers, Maggers. Uh, he, I believe, invented uh, Iris Wildtime. So there are some notable names in here that I'm familiar with, and maybe you guys are more familiar with some of these others. But I get the impression that some of these might be kind of like how Candy Jar has has uh, given uh, up-and-coming writers a chance to write. And it, uh, I'm really impressed with the, some of the, the fiction stories in here. I think they're very imaginative. They're things that you, you could easily borrow heavily from what you already know and what you, you know, how, what am I trying to say? You could easily just kind of copy or cookie cutter a Sarah Jane adventure. You know what I mean? You could You could easily say, put Sarah Jane in plot A with, you know, device B. And spit out a story. And I think young, young and experienced writers would easily do that. Nobody in this book, as far as the fiction stories do, do that at all. They're all very entertaining. They're very unique and different, each one of them. And maybe that's what I was really impressed by, is I could see Sarah Jane Smith in each one of these settings. There was the, the authors of the, the, the fiction stories all really get the character right and no matter what era you put her in in her lifetime it, they get it right and i think that was one of the things that impressed me the most yeah and how they also make sure to span the entire her entire lifespan there's not like it could very easily be a, a whole bunch of stories of her trying to find her legs after you know coming back from time with the doctor or a whole bunch of stories set in the sarah jane adventures time frame where it's easy to write a story because you've got a whole five whole seasons to build a story off of with templates and ideas but they really fill those gaps in throughout the entire lifetime which is really nice 
something about the voice that, that you said, Glenn, that they, they get it right. And maybe it's been too long since I had a Sarah Jane story to latch on to. I mean, obviously we've reviewed the whole run of, of, of live action episodes. Um, we've done the Sarah Jane adventures, you know, it's been a while, but coming into this book and hearing Elizabeth Slayton as Sarah Jane in not one, not two, not three, all of the stories was kind of the ultimate comfort food. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it just made the stories effortless to read. And it was very refreshing because I've been going through a, 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 it's a, a personal thing. I've been having a lot of trouble reading um, since even a little bit before the pandemic started. But ever since, I haven't picked up a book in a year and a half. I, I just, Unless it's homework for the show. And to be quite honest, there are several of them that I've kind of fudged my reviews a little bit because I, yeah, I may have skimmed this one or, or, or didn't read all of that book. Because I just can't seem to get my mindset into, and, and I'm a vicarious reader. I love to read and I'm envious every week when Keith comes on and says, Oh, I finished six new star Wars books. I mean, <laughs> damn dude, slow down. But it's just been, it's just been an absolute chore. I haven't been able to get it unless it's an audio book. Cause those are easy enough for me to digest on the way back and forth to work or whatnot. But to actually sit and read has been such a challenge of late. And yet this book was, 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 was the opposite of that. And so I'm, I'm hoping that it may have cured me because <laughs> it, it, it just each one. And the, the, as you said, the way it's structured, not all of them are, are, are fiction. So when you kind of maybe get to a point where you're thinking, oh, I could use a break, all of a sudden here's an essay right? and you, you get some fascinating insights into, uh, the character as, you know, as fans see her. Uh, or you'll get a, a fiction story that really nails just the feel of Sarah Jane Smith. And by spacing them out throughout her timeline, you, you get uh, a bunch of different flavors of, of what, you know, it, it's the story remains the same investing, you know, r roving reporter. Yeah. Check. But yet it, it does not feel like, Oh, we just dropped Sarah Jane into this X-Files episode. Right. And, and, right. and now we're going to run and do that plot, you know? Right. I, I was just super impressed with it all the way through. Well, and it also, yeah, it has the roving reporter aspect to all the stories, but it's not redundant either. I mean, right. it's not Sarah goes to investigate the so-and-so. It sets her into the situations in very different ways, which I appreciated. I think what helps, too, is is she is acting in different varying degrees of a reporter as well. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. it's more investigative than others. Sometimes it's less investigative, and that just happens to be a front for looking, or or the 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 role is just a front for her to look deeper into something else. And so there's there's certainly a, a difference in those as well, and when how she's portrayed. Not that it changes her character in any way. It just happens to be at this in time of, in her life, she's working in this capacity. And at this time in her life, she's working in this capacity. And I think that's what was pretty cool too. Some of these could have been another book called Sarah Jane Smith, Busybody. Right. And, right. You know, <laughs> 
But that's what we loved about her. <laughs> you know, yeah. What are you doing today, sir? Oh, I think I've still got a, you know half a day left on this pass you issued me. I'm going to go back over to the think tank and find my giant robot that I know is there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of the uh, sh- short story fictions, were there any ones that stand out as your favorites? I really like The Haunting of Chillingham Castle. I think that's the one. That was one of my favorites, too. The one that had uh, What's-Her-Face from the Invasion in it? Yep. That was that one, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. That one and uh, Babel Storm with the Dudun well, when it's Wait a minute. Haunting her... in, no, I'm sorry. Haunting and Chilling Castle was not the one. That was the one with the TARDIS from, uh, that was the, the castle. No, you're thinking of... Yeah, wasn't she in that one, too? Wasn't that the one in the same? I don't think so. She was in, was she in that one too? Because if she was, I didn't realize that she was. I in, thought that was. She was definitely in the one where the uh, the they were creating the uh, artificial food for the people, and they were actually aliens oh, yeah, running right. that uh, uh, oh, that corporation or whatever it was that she went in and, and uncovered. That was that was that that was the one that I specifically remembered the uh, photographer from. Uh, the invasion. Yeah, that's the one I meant. Yeah, that's okay. Meant. Yeah, yeah. No, the haunting Chilean been... Chilean Castle was 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 one of my favorites because the 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 guy that had died, her husband was a time lord, and the reason the castle was haunted is because time was leaking through it because it was a dying Tardis, and I thought that was a really neat concept. Yes, that was also that. Yeah, I confused the two, but that was why I liked. The Haunting of Chillingham Castle. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I sure can't remember what the name of the one you're talking about was, but uh, yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, I think it must have been... Exposure. Hold on. Was it Exposure? Yes, Exposure. Okay. Yeah. Because it was all about the pictures. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, what it was called, but it was the one where she had set up with the small town newspaper... And the they had the box of uh, horoscopes that had been written, mm. and they were basically coming true. And so she was there trying to investigate why they were being so accurate. And she finds out that the one guy was being influenced to create his own stories. And I thought that was really, really neat because it was one of the things that as you're reading it, you sort of suspect that there's something there, but you don't quite think what's going on is going on until it's divulged that it was and it was like okay i should have seen that coming but i didn't quite see where that was gonna go and it it ends and i'm not gonna spoil the ending of it it ends in such a way that i didn't i thought was a bit of a turn of events uh it ends how you expect it should end but it doesn't quite get to that ending in the way you expect it so Kind of reminiscent in a way to a, a certain short film that, um, that yeah. some of us may <laughs> yeah, have worked that, on. That's maybe that maybe <laughs> maybe that's why I uh, cottoned onto that one and liked it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that one too. Uh, the the I, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. The Yahweh uh, prophecy. prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Yoi. Um, I think it's Yoiwa. Yoiwa. Um, I enjoyed uh, in. Memoriam, memoriam, memoriam. You had it right the first time. Uh, the the one where she's in Atlanta and uh, crosses paths with potentially 
a, a future self that got left on earth oh, uh, yeah. during a previous adventure with the doctor who has all these wild stories that Sarah remembers. I thought that one was a lot of fun. It was. And that, that was another one that didn't quite go the way that I expected. And I was kind of grateful it didn't because it, it caught me off guard. I was like, Oh, that's not what I expected, but that was really yeah. cool. But again, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the majority of this. Uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. the artwork, the, the pieces of, uh, uh, comics that, uh, that are in here, the comic stories, the essays I thought were, were all, uh, insightful and well-written and, uh, uh just, it, it just, I don't know, like I said, comfort food, it's kind of maybe the best way I can describe it. It just very much felt like it's been too long since I've had any Sarah Jane in my life <laughs> and it was welcoming an old friend home Yeah, and yeah. It, it was, it was all great. And uh, the fact that everybody got it. Yeah. You know, as you said, it was her voice. It was, it was not some outlandish thing. And regardless of what, uh, you know, methods were, were, were being used, you know, to kind of get her in and out of these stories, whether it was just true investigative journalism or, well, yeah, she's kind of sort of still on the unit payroll, uh, you know, oh, she has a computer before those things were, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> she, she's got a laptop before they were invented. Before they, well, not before they were invented, but before they were a- anywhere in the public. <laughs> before they were widely available. Right, right. Um, just, or you or know, even in the public, you know, in, in any way. It, it didn't matter if some of the background details maybe didn't all match up to create one canon life of, of, of Sarah Jane. It, it just, it was a convenient and, and fun. Oh, okay. You know, and you, you just kind of rolled with it to, to, to get to the story, to go yeah. on the adventure. You didn't really care about the window dressing. It was that, there. They gave you the window dressing if you wanted it, but yeah. you didn't need it. That's absolutely true because there were a couple of times where I, I questioned uh, canonosity and then I thought, well, I, I, why am I questioning canonosity? These are, <laughs> these are just, these are fun stories with Sarah Jane as the centerpiece. And so it does not have to match my continuity. This is an official, this is, this is a project for a, you know, a, a charity. This is something doing a good thing and examining Sarah Jane from all different angles, from all different views. And so when I would get, when I would start to, get critical about how it didn't quite fit into the night. Well, no, I don't, it doesn't need to, it doesn't have to, it's just a story. I thought also the, the essays, I, I, I'm always hesitant to go into a collection of essays on one topic. And the reason is because often they get very repetitive. They often mm-hmm. say a lot of the same things about the subject, especially if they, they have all, they're all writing about the subject. And while I think there are a few repetitive things, they were necessary as reminders or reinforcements for the essay that was being written for the the argument or for the presentation that was being given in those essays. And so that said, I really appreciated that all of the essays were a different uh, look or a different presentation. None of them felt the same. None of them felt repetitious. They all had varying ways of looking at the character or looking at the, the life or looking at examining why we love Sarah Jane so much or 
the as the one states the morality of the Sarah Jane adventures, you know, examining mm-hmm. sp- certain aspects of the series, certain aspects of the character. I thought that was really well done and really well balanced throughout this book. Yeah, I I would agree. The only the only instance of that I would have to point to where it wasn't was the fact that they had a biography and then one of the following essays remembering Elizabeth Sladen basically did the exact same thing of the character biography, which I thought was kind of an, an interesting place to put those two together. But that being said, everybody else did such a good job covering different topics. I was very pleased as well with the, uh, the, the, the surprise guest stars. Oh, and uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know why that, uh, you know, we're going to do a book about <laughs> the, the many periods in life of Sarah Jane Smith. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me that Harry Sullivan would show up. Yeah, well, at some point, of course they're. But still when he did, yeah, of course they're still friends. Of course they still connect. Of course they still talk to each other. But it's not one of those things that you naturally think of that that they continue to connect because they're both had similar experiences. They both have a common bond through their adventures of course they're going to but i don't i didn't even think of that until he shows up at a couple of stories and i thought well sure that's just a natural progression of their friendship who was it that uh in i don't remember where we we read it or, or whatnot that uh there was a a, a, a club for uh, former companions people who have traveled in the tardis <laughs> yeah yeah it it it, it kind of had that like, man, that really needs to be a thing. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that I heard a, a, a faint squeal from across town when I got to the canine uh, <laughs> a bit. <laughs> I did enjoy that story quite a bit. <laughs> oh, God, that was one of my favorite stories, too. With The, the Fugitive, I think, was that one where the, yeah. the guy was running from the other two that were hunting him down. And and canine, he shines in that. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Well, even the previous, the story previous, the Witch of West Sea, when he's having to hide in the closet, isn't that that story? Because he's in he's in several stories. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah he is. Even in that, he was like, "Ooh, what a clever way to include him, but not make him, you know, the star of the show." Right. Right. Really good stuff. There's uh, and and I agree with Sean that the comics were a nice little break, and the artwork on them was was really good. I I really appreciated them. Um, some of them I thought I felt was a little shorter than I expected. I thought the comics would be a little bit longer than they were. Um, they mm-hmm. weren't too short, but they were shorter than I expected. And so there were a couple of times that I th- well on on both of them I kept thinking, oh, I could have had another page or two of this and still enjoyed as much as I did. So Yeah, I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the guy that always says, oh, I could have used more of this comic. <laughs> Frequently, I'm the guy that only read half of the comic. So, you know, it ties in with it. <laughs> I think one of the things of the essays that I, I quite enjoyed, too, was examining, uh, was Sarah Jane a, really a feminist? Uh, Agency Maytier, I believe is the name. I may be mispronouncing that. I apologize, Aiden, if I am. Um, I thought they really did a good job of examining the balance of how she is perceived as a feminist. 
because a lot of times it is pointed to that a lot of people say, well, she wasn't quite feminist enough. And there are some people that point to the fact that, oh, she was very feminist. No, I think there was quite a balance. And I think that the essay examines why there was a balance and why there mm-hmm. was it's almost the appropriate amount of feminism, if, if there is an appropriate amount of feminism. It's almost the, the right balance of or the, the examining the right uh, sides of why. Uh, it, yes, it answers the question. To me, it answered the question that she was, um, that undeniably she was. She was, a, she was a strong woman, she, but she was, it was more for equality, not dominance. And it was more, you know, and so I really appreciated being able to examine that because I'd never, I've always sort of skirted that thought in my mind because I wasn't quite sure myself where she lands on that spectrum. And this essay really does a good job of addressing just exactly that question. Was she a feminist? Really a feminist? Yeah, I, I definitely, for me, she's always, I thought Sarah Jane was feminist before I even knew what a feminist was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when you grow up with her stories as a kid and you see this very independent, strong-willed woman who is just as likely to get herself into trouble as she is to rescue the doctor from it. That was, you know, yeah, this absolutely, women can do these things, why not? Right. Uh, and then to put it in the greater context of the show and look at all the, uh, you know, poor, unfortunate companions that came before her that were very much, um, damsels getting coffee yeah. and, and, and damsels in distress and, and even Joe Grant to a, uh, uh, a, you know, certainly a lesser extent, but, uh, you know, you kind mean, of being forced to play dumb Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as she started off. Uh, and then later, you know, of course, she's got such a great arc being able to stand up to the master later. Right, right. But they, they gave Sarah Jane enough moments where she could cower from the whatever it was that you still got to have the doctor as the hero. And yet so many other moments where she's the one asking the question and the doctor's going, Ooh, yeah. What about that? And they, they just made such a nice team. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will certainly. Sadie had a very nice uh, forward. Oh yeah. We should talk about that. It was interesting to hear her talk about how right after her mother had died, it was very difficult for her to, you know, do anything because, you know, that was related because she was still having to, uh, uh, come to terms with what had happened and, and, and have that time of mourning for her. Um, it was really some nice words that she had, especially for, for her mom for this book. I did see that, uh, this is a little off topic, but Sadie is portraying Sarah Jane Smith in the new Third Doctor box set that just released uh, this last yes, week. Is. So that'll be interesting. She's Sadie's done uh, voice work on for big finish before uh so she's she's not a stranger to she's an actress she's she's done voice work for or she's done other things besides big finish but she, she's returning to big finish and, and she'll be filling the shoes that her mother once filled so i think that's pretty neat but anything else about this book that we want to talk about before we move on to the schedule find out what else just we're doing? one more reminder that if you would like to get a copy and we will have the link in our show notes um it's penciltippublishing.com and all proceeds from the publication are going to be donated in support of the British Columbia Cancer Foundation. Yeah. So this is a charity book, and uh, 
they they were kind enough to send us this one to uh, 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 give away and to give us a review copy as well, so that we could bring it to you and let you know about it. And if you are at all having your interest peaked, you should go and support them and support the cancer research because it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely, absolutely, and you get a great book out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two great two great things. On top of it. <laughs> Very good. Well, Sean, what do we have coming up on the schedule? Well, the next two weeks are full of the doctor himself. Or he's <laughs> full of himself, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, we've got Echoes of Extinction next week. Um, both parts, the 8th Doctor and the 10th Doctor, which is the pseudo-official quote-unquote wrap-up to Time Lord Victorious. <laughs> Excuse me. And then uh, we follow that up with uh, a look at uh, the Edge of Time and Time Fracture and the Time Lord Victorious and Brian the Ood and uh, all, all the leftover pieces of, uh, of, of TLV. Yeah, more, more, and, of the, uh, more of the things that we're looking at from afar because they aren't things that yeah. we, we got to experience per se. Although I am looking directly at the... Uh, Time Lord Victorious figurines that we'll be reviewing. But <laughs> <laughs> some of us have them. Some of us have to live vicariously through Glenn. Right. Right. But uh, I, I expect you to uh, uh, shoot a little video of you, uh, you know, playing with your action figures. Now. There you go. I'll put that on YouTube. <laughs> and, of course, uh, our, our, uh, our, our friend from uh, Tartar Sauce, Timothy Harvey, will be joining us for that discussion coming up so be sure to stick around very good and uh, be sure to check out the website for updates on the podcast it's travelingthevortex.com if you're not familiar if you get any value out of this podcast why not consider putting some value back into it you can do that by uh, clicking on that patron link while you're on our website and consider supporting us also please consider giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts or wherever you subscribe to this podcast it helps bump us up in the ratings and the recommendations uh, be sure to t uh, check out Tartar Sauce on uh, SciFiForMe.tv or SciFiForMeTV's YouTube channel, where occasionally we join in with them and discuss all things Doctor Who. And Sean, were you able to get on this week? I couldn't remember. I was. So, what did you guys talk about? What can we look forward to? Um, uh, we actually had a, uh, a a full discussion of the uh, the, the John Barrowman and. Uh, uh, Noel Clark uh, troubles and how they relate to fandom and uh, what we're hopeful for. All right. So if, so you, if you didn't get enough of that, yeah. if you didn't get enough here, you can go <laughs> listen to them wax poetic about that over there. And then, uh, of course, make sure you join in the conversation on our listeners forum on Facebook. There you can engage with other listeners and share your thoughts and insights with others. And if you're not already a member, Join in on the Goodreads Book Club, which the uh, girls over at, uh, or the ladies over at the Five-ish Fangirls help us facilitate on that. And specifically, Holly, we thank you very much for keeping an eye on that for us. Yes, thank you, Holly. Anything else that we need to talk about before we close the show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Eldrad must live. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.